is Five, four, three, two, one. <clears throat> We're gonna... I'm John Miglosh for the WDMA. See, I moved that a little bit, and it got it brighter today. Yeah. We're going to talk about advertising, branding, but we're also going to have a good direct mail story at the end. <clears throat> so I want you to hang on for that, and we'll try to go as fast as we can over this branding stuff. Who cares? Right. <clears throat> so what we're going to start with is a McDonald's commercial. And see the lady's arches? She arches her eyebrows, okay? I don't know. I thought they should have had, you know, somebody doing, like, one and one or the other and, you know, trying a bunch of... But, you know, it was easier for the actors to just <clears throat> up their brows. But anyway, it starts off with a uh, with the, the male lady dumping something on their desk and this actress... Uh, you know, presumably an office worker says, let's go to McDonald's. And all she does, it, so it stays in code, is write it on a little post-it note. <clears throat> That's funny. And they march through the office and arch their eyebrows. And everybody goes, let's go to McDonald's. lot of fun I think it is like this code for let's go to McDonald's my kids would have loved this when they were little want to go to McDonald's yeah dad yeah nah I don't feel like it they call that now abuse and uh, that's it all it shows right there is <clears throat> that's the only show and that's 58 seconds in. So, um, you know, it's pretty sneaky. And I think it's fun. You know, it's a lot of fun. And so now the question is, what's going on behind that ad? Which we always want to know, right? We always want to know what's going on behind the ad. So let's get over to the PDF section. Find that one. And here it is. Is McDonald's productless promo a way around future fast food ad bans from John Evans at the drum? Okay. Leo Burnett launched this ad, and uh, I think it's in the UK only. Uh, two hungry workers decide to pop out for a Mick and D's and communicate by a post-it note and double brow raise. Okay. The raised eyebrows turn out to be a universal sign. I would say more like a code in that office because it hasn't caught on yet, at least not with me. Fancy a McDonald's? It's definitely the UK. And before long, the whole office is heading out for a burger. But we don't see any burgers or restaurants or people in them or French fries. And we don't even see the word McDonald's until the last two seconds. And there she is. One fundamental law of marketing is we're not as good as we think we are at judging ads. Yeah, and and ads aren't tested as much as I think they should be. And I like half of you as much as you deserve, and half of you deserve as much as I like. Uh, so we ran McDonald's through the System 1 Test Your Ad platform. And that's the guy that's writing this. The guy who's writing it is the is the... Chief Growth Officer John Evans at System One, so he's hiding behind, he's hiding this commercial for his system behind the McDonald, behind the, the the drum moniker. There's a good word for you. 
And uh, <clears throat> first off, it turns out they got the point with no problem within 10 seconds, you know, because of the arches on the gold background. 80% of the people knew the ad was for McDonald's. And the only real evidence was a post-it note with an M. And it wasn't like a stylized, you know, printed M in McDonald's font. It was just a pretty, you know, just... Bleh, bleh. Anyway, um, and that's the power of McDonald's branding. This is, you know, I'm if Mark Ritson doesn't talk about this, I'll be really, really surprised. So I'll call him out in this one. Because he's always talking about how you can be playful with your logo and your assets if they're well-established. You should have a little fun with them. And the better your distinctive assets, the more subtle you can be and the more you can play, right? Which... Which brings us back a little bit to what I said yesterday when I was talking about the young creative guy who, you know, hated that I had rules and that you had to follow the rules unless there was a good reason not to follow the rules. And he was so stunned when I I agreed that, you know, the way to promote the the golf bag was to run it out to the to the uh, to the trim. And uh, he said, I thought we had to follow the rules. I said, well. No, you have to break the rules, but you have to have rules to break. <laughs> There's no rules. You can't break the rules, right? Un unlike what people think about their truth. Uh, so that's good news for creatives if they have a well-established uh, corporate visual assets. But the question is, is there a bigger picture here? Okay. And uh, the government is, has made plans to regulate ads for products high in fat, salt, sugar, and high in fat, high fat, salt, sugar. Okay. HFSS, which I'd never heard of before, but now I do. And um, so the ad agencies think that this is not going to be, uh, that's not going to help the obesity problem. You know, we eat too much. We produce too much food. And some of the food we... Why is it that the tasty food is in that category? Fat, salt, and sugar. I don't know. There's something... We're wired to love that stuff. I just love that stuff. Salted caramels. M&M's peanuts. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So uh, part of the question is, did stopping adverti smoking advertising stop smoking or did it go up or down? I don't know. I mean, there's been so many, there's, you know, it's, it's so heavily taxed and, and that sort of thing. I just don't, I don't know the answers to these things. I saw a graph yesterday that showed obesity in America spiking or basically ramping up after about 1980. And, uh, some speculate that that's when we brought in high fructose corn syrup production, that the government subsidized corn to bring down the food prices, and uh, and our food got filled with, with sugar. Um, but sugar consumption in the UK has declined in the last two decades, and obesity and diabetes has increased. So we don't really know what the answer is. <laughs> That's the bottom line. And so maybe it's a little it's a little premature to start guessing at advertising as the main culprit. Um, but more interesting is, would that ad be covered or not? 
you know, I think the way that booze ad bans or the or the those are those are have those are banned on TV and the smoking ads. I think you know if it was for a smoking company, I don't think they had to show any cigarettes. Uh, then it was banned on TV. Uh, there were uh, plenty of other outlets, and it's obviously probably – I mean, it's probably not going to be banned on social media. So I don't know that the ban would even have much merit, right, because there's so many ways to go around the, around the edges these days um, besides broadcast TV, if that's where it applies. That's where the, that's where the cigarette ban mainly applied. They went into print, you know, but they at least – at least in print, they were mainly seen, you know, in – more grown-up magazines and things like that. So we don't know, but there's no shots of fries and nuggets. <clears throat> and it's for McDonald's. It's very hard to argue this ad is directly promoting junk food or encouraging unhealthy choices. Not only aren't there any any tasty foods, but there aren't any kids, there aren't any families, there aren't any restaurants. It's just... Uh, it's just the fun, the fun of the secret code in the office. But essentially, it shows that big brands aren't going to, it's not going to affect them very much. And um, and here's an article by Hannah Bauer about the junk food ban and some of the controversy. Um, Stephen Woodford uh, is chief executive of the Advertising Association, the AA. We have the four A's over here and there's also the Institute of Advertising Practitioners and both argue that um, there are other things that could be more helpful um, and it was supposed to come into effect in January of 2023 which here we are but it got postponed a few times and so this is some of the background of that um, healthcare professionals vehemently believe the ANBAN will help with a with UK obesity crisis not sure. There's something about eating <laughs> eating fancy foods with salt and sugar and and fat in them. I don't know. Okay, now lastly, um, and I don't know who Amir at at Sequel Direct is. I don't know who that is. That's a an interesting way to put it. Let's see if they're their name down below no okay but anyway uh this is from sequel direct up in minneapolis area and it says data and format testing drives growth for legacy mailer now, this is sig significantly short one minute one minute read um and i wish it were longer i wish it had more detail but let's just do the best we can the challenge was an established brand in the home warranty space already experienced success with direct mail and wanted to elevate its mature program to new levels of growth. Okay. Now, if you had to boil down my career, it wasn't mainly in starting people in mail. I did that for about five years to get started and I found it to be somewhat boring. It was really, really easy to pe to help people get started in mail. And, uh, so I pivoted to working with the best mailers in America, which was much, much more challenging, much more difficult, probably much shorter engagements. Uh, but, you know, people like Cabela's and, uh, and 
Adobe and Musician's Friend, people who are mailing millions and millions of catalogs a year and knew what they were doing. And, uh, and I felt like if I could, if I could help those companies that I would learn the most, that I would be challenged the most. And that's what I wanted to do. And one of the main things that was usually the question was, how can we grow? Uh, because even in a culture of testing, there's this re repeated, you know, a lot of the tests get run over and over and over, especially with digital. Uh, when, when the Internet came along, we did a lot of tests about, um, you know, what is the causal impact? What's the incremental lift of this expensive catalog that we we did. I think catalogers, you know, you could say in general, catalogers were not mostly new mailers. And I've worked with about 80 different catalog companies uh, through the years, uh, and many of them very, very large companies. Um, so they wanted to grow. How did SQL help? SQL concentrated on routine data and format testing. Okay, this is really crucial. First, they reviewed data suppression strategies. And that was really interesting because a lot of people don't look at this. <clears throat> you know, where are we getting our leads from? And we were working with a our, – our biggest client ever was, was Image Club Graphics, which became Iowire, um, which got bought by, by Getty. And uh, – they were a small division that was accidentally acquired by Adobe. Adobe had bought Aldis for PageMaker, and Aldis had just bought Image Club Graphics. And so when I got started with, with Image Club, there, the CEO was flying down to California to explain why Adobe should keep Image Club around for a while. And, and so the situation was that you know, we were we were pretty well funded, but they wanted to grow, so they were about 25 million in sales. And um, we were because of the relationship with Adobe, we were now all of a sudden getting Adobe leads. If you downloaded uh, Adobe Acrobat or other Adobe products, you would be able to uh, you would have to give them your email and all that. You'd have to register, but you could get it free. And so we were getting about. Image Club Graphics was getting about about five or, or so thousand names a month, which sounds like a lot, but it's not that many. And they would mail them once a month for 12 months, mail the same person once a month for 12 months. And I just didn't, that didn't seem right to me. So I said, you know, I called them up and I said, Adobe people, I said, you know, is that all the, the names there are? And they said, well, you know, we don't really know. Uh, we're sending them to... Um, May and Spay, I think it was, down in Chicago, and they're doing the filtering. Uh, they apply some filters to this so that we don't have, you know, so that they don't all get mailed. And I said, okay, that's fine. Uh, so I called May and Spay, and I said, well, what are the filters? And we couldn't find anyone who had set the filters. Same thing, same story as this. And uh, so I said, well, I said to Adobe, well, why don't you turn off the, fi the filters and just send us all you know, send us whatever you're sending me in Spay, and, you know, we'll, we'll see what we, we'll compare the two. So they did. All of a sudden, we were getting 100 to 300,000 names a month. You know, 20 to 60 times more names. 
And I said, whoa, that's nice. So instead of mailing the 5,000 12 times, which gets us to 60,000, we would we decided that we would start mailing you know, the leads coming in. We wouldn't mail them twice until, well, we changed the, the analytics from looking at one person to looking at an entire building at once because the graphic artists in a city tend to flock together as I had, you know, been in that and in, in the ad agency world, there are a lot of them right together. <clears throat> and I had three, I was the direct mail guy in the ad agency and I had three business names. So we started sort of looking past the person's name, past the, even the, the company name and looking at how many did we send into that building and how many orders did we get out and let's mail everybody in the building once before we mail anybody twice that isn't a customer. Customers got mailed more. That was a whole nother bit. And within uh, six months, we were mailing, uh, instead of 500,000 a month, we were mailing a million a month. And not only that, this is the big part, but the revenue, the, the profit per piece on acquisition almost doubled, which is like a fourfold multiplier on profitability. And all of a sudden, it went from an annualized 25 million to an annualized 50 million, <clears throat> just like that. Just by looking at this data suppression area, what weren't we using that we had our hands on? And uh, <clears throat> we also did a lot of testing. We tested, uh, we, we rolled out new products. We had a formula for doing that, which also spurred growth. But uh, <clears throat> at that point, the CEO bought the company from Adobe and then resold it to Getty and made made a charitable foundation for himself. So let's just say he made a lot of money on it. And we got fired, of course. Um, so if you're trying to get growth and you wanna and maybe you wanna sell, maybe you're maybe that's your retirement plan. You plan to sell your company, and so you wanna spur growth. Well, that's We've done that about 17 times in the last, and many in the recessions. You know, um, I used to speak down at the at the Smith Gardner conference, and I and and they didn't rarely did they call anyone back a second time, and and I asked John um, the we'll tag John. I asked John the 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 CEO. I said, how come you come you 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 have me come back? He said, because you know it's a recession. Everyone else is cutting back. Your clients are growing. We don't know how you do it, but however you do it, that's what we want more of, you know, you know, because we charge by the seat. And that was nice of John to say. And uh, so if you're right now looking for more, and it isn't just it isn't just about bumping sales, you know, cutting prices, bumping sales, or bumping advertising, or or whatever. It's about long-term lifetime value it's about acquiring valuable customers in the most efficient way and you don't figure that out on a on an ab digitals uh subject line split test it takes more thought than that so um if you're a mature mailer you may want to you may want to give us a call wdma.org easy to find if you went there yesterday it was kind of blown up uh, one of the one of the uh, plugins did some updates the day before and blew the whole site up. 
<laughs> and they did four updates yesterday trying to fix it, but we got it sorted out. Oh, here's the, the testimonial. Regular testing is, is a direct mail best practice. Let's make that bigger. It looked great when I was building it. Bringing formally suppressed prospects back into the mix can be like adding new winning test lists for brands with legacy direct mail programs. Absolutely. And if you can figure out the 111s in your RFM, they haven't bought much. They only bought once and they haven't bought lately. 60% of your file is that. How do you figure that out? That's my specialty. Uh, anyway, for this client, this strategy found great performance gains. Angelo at SQL Response. Angelo is probably that email above. You know, we should move that up there. I will move that up there. There's a way to do it. There's a way to do it. And so like and share. Your friends will know you're smart. And watch this. Does it work? Oh, no, this is an image. I forgot. Okay, so Angelo, thank you for that. That's probably Angelo. I don't know why that would be Angelo. Anyway, <laughs> whoever that was it. SQL. Thank you for that. Have a great day. Like and share. Test. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, give me a call. Bye-bye.